you have reached a phone call from Paul. A Literary Hub podcast. To hear more, visit lithub.com. Part 1 of Paul Holden Graber's Conversation with Laurie Anderson. Paul? Laurie. Hello, Paul. Hello, Laurie. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, where, where are you calling from, Paul? I'm, I'm calling actually from the New York Public Library, and I'm calling from a landline. Um, somehow, reception is so much better, but it's, it's amazing phone calls today. They, they, they have sort of become exotic. Are they, are they exotic for you? Do you use them? I'm making a big effort to call people instead of endless texting. Okay, no, what? I didn't understand that. Mm, you know, and then uh, and I think calls shorten it up. <laughs> it shortens it up. It yeah, oh, lengthens it too sometimes, of course. Well, it, it might lengthen it, but it also gives you the grain of the voice and you have you have an impression of someone. I was at the Tenement Museum. Do you know that place? Yeah, a little bit. Not well enough. Tell me. Uh, on Orchard Street. It's one yes. of Orchard. And uh, over by Delancey. And they're doing some shows. And uh, they have a kind of interactive display of, you know, people. They've renovated some brownstones and turned them into um, speakeasies and tenements that 100 people lived in 100 years ago. And it's pretty great. And, and you read the text on the wall about it. But then you can pick up an old phone that's shaped like, I don't know, kind of a pear. Um there's no speaker on it. It's just the, it's just the, the, the earphone. And you listen to these voices. Um, and I talk like that one, the wild and the and, and you're reading the text at the same time. And it, it is so wild to hear the real, um, uh, crackly, crazy pronunciation of, of words. And it, 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 it brought them back in a way that nothing else could, just like um, uh, their voices. I didn't even, I wasn't even so aware of what they were saying. It was just that they um, had a very uh, nasal sound. I don't know. It was like, um, I think, uh, I think you had to project more in those days. And, and maybe also because the phone was new, people didn't quite know. Um, this, this weren't, these weren't uh, recordings made by uh, using telephones. They were made by, well, microphones, but I suppose the same thing applies. They, you talk really strangely into a microphone. But, but also, I think it, it, it's the phenomenon of what happened to singers' voices when they began to use microphones, that they could talk really quietly instead of projecting. And, and uh, tell me this... Um, when when the microphone came about, um, did it change for you? I mean, have did did it change the way you you sang? I or, or, or sing without a microphone. I never didn't use a microphone. Right. Always used a microphone, and 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 I found that in many different ways, um, it's the best place to hide. Stages are a great place to hide. You pick can't see you that well and you know you have a strangely you know you're um that's why i hated it when when streaming started happening because cameras would be up your nose and 
And you thought, this stage is no longer a good place to hide. It's I'm, I'm totally exposed now. It's so amazing what you're saying. Um, I, I don't think people usually, um, except if they are in your position, would think of a, a, a stage as a place where secrecy and hiding were possible. They would think, yeah. I assume that you are exposing yourself fully by being on that stage. Yeah. I, but you, you might be exposing yourself, but people can't see you that well. And they don't have a, a, they're not judging you in a, in a way. That, for example, I have never met someone who, did, who didn't say, gee, I thought you were taller. You look so tall on stage. You know, they can't tell you who you are. You're just like a little thing there. So if you use a microphone, then you're a big thing who looks little, you know, but you have, you have a lot of control over what you're, you're presenting. Does it feel the, the same way to you when you're, when you're performing in a very small place? No, of course not. Because then, you know, people can um, see that your shoelaces are untied and, you know, a, a lot of things. And, and the relationship with, the, with the, the public is so different. So you can't do certain things. Um, you can't say you in the same way. Mm. As you then means you sitting three feet from me, not you general people, Americans, you. You know, I just spoke with, oh. with I just spoke with Roseanne Cash, and she says in her memoir that she she always tries to perform for the six percent of poets in the audience. I didn't know there were six percent. <laughs> I didn't know either. No, I, I. I mean, I suppose every demographic is different in the conscious, but I'm going to take a poll the next next yeah. show. I do see how many poets, self-identified poets, are there. But do you, do you know what she she might be meaning by by saying that? No idea. I mean, do you do you do you know what she means? I, I think to some extent, to people who listen carefully. Okay, um, to the poets, to the people who listen. Yeah. Um, I would I would be a little more generous with the percentage. Yes. Um, uh, I think because uh, I tend to the people who come to my my shows tend to be um, a lot of them are artists themselves and they make stuff so uh, they don't go so much to to um, sit back as to kind of. Uh, listen to like oh so how are you do? you know it's more it's sometimes almost a technical way of listening you know like so how is that problem being solved and what is why is that next to that as opposed to over there you know speaking of stuff I I just was at Mass Mocha and um, what brought you there um, what 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 brought me there was a, an exhibition by Clifford Ross. Um, uh, who had a, a show there about his relationship to nature and his relationship to waves. And, yeah, and I saw that. You saw that, and kind of an extraordinary installation. But what, what, what was really um, uh, very moving to me was speaking with, with the director, Joe Thompson, and him telling me that he is going to give you for, I don't know how many years, more than a decade, uh, a part of the museum that is under construction. And 
I, I just want to know what that's all about. I got, I got super excited because it had to do with you. And I thought, my goodness, you're going to put that to some extraordinary use. And I imagine it's going to be connected to the idea of making stuff. Making stuff is right, yeah. <laughs> I, I started talking to Joe about this maybe, oh, more than 10 years ago. And really? Said, I, more wings here and and he's gesturing around to this dilapidated you know uh, wrecks of buildings of this old mill that was for a while uh, uh, I think they I think they were uh, I think they were making fabrics and then um, and then electronics and and it's this big sprawling complex and part of it was has been turned into a really amazing museum where they do large things and then the rest of it is like derelict buildings and he said and this is going to be all yours i was like joe dream on this is like and then a couple of years later he goes well we're, we're starting i was like i was really shocked he is a real visionary and he's decided to make these spaces available to people and I'm one of the lucky people and Jenny Holzer is another, Jim Terrell is another. I know, I know, I know. What a trinity. I mean, it's just extra, really? it's extraordinary and 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 it might be premature to ask you too much, but I'd like to know a little bit, as much as you're, you're willing to say, do, do you do you have some some plans in your mind as to what it will be? I think it will be in a year's time, more or less. Yes, it will open next May in 17. And it will... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting collection of spaces. One is a big kind of exhibition space, so I can show things like big paintings, which I don't get to show that often, and uh, or electronic installations that need darkness. Um, this is connected to, with some tie lines, to a studio, which will be a place where I can uh, create a really great listening environment uh, to uh, have people uh, come in and play and record, but also um, look at how uh, electronics are used in, in recording processes. So it's a kind of um, open studio in a certain way, um, when I'm there, otherwise it, it, it will be, you can just kind of peer in and it'll have Thailand's coming out and doing other things. So there's another room uh, connected to that, which will be, we're probably going to put some of our VR experiments in there. And those are things that I'm just starting with, virtual reality things, because um, I just love being able to create and and visualize a world that just isn't there. I mean, you reach out with your real hands into this space and you see your hands, but they're, they're made of something else. And that's just sort of the beginning of, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who just, I just want to see um, how, uh, how our minds work. That's what my work has always been about and, and the difference between sort of uh, real things and fantasy things, which I don't really actually, I'm seeing less and less a difference between them. I'm seeing them more as the same fabric. And so in that room, we're going to be doing some of our experiments and, and we're 
and we means... Yeah, I was going to ask you exactly now. I was going to say, you know, you said earlier on you can't in a smaller room say you in the same way. And I was going to ask you, Laurie, who is we in this particular case? This, uh, this we is a uh, team from Taiwan. Uh-huh. It's a collaborative. Many years ago, in 1995, uh, I made an electronic with uh, Voyager. They were one of the. They were the first electronic printing uh, publishing house. And I thought, you know, books need uh, not all books. Some books are just fine as words, <laughs> but some books need music built in, and they need to. You need to go into that room and sit in the in the the visual room and look around. And then you can listen to the story, and you, but you're going to be someplace. So I built a hotel. Um, it was actually a motel called Puppet Motel, and they were made of many rooms, where, and they were full of stories. And, of course, you can imagine when you make a CD-ROM, the technology is around for about a year, and then it's gone. So uh, we put that piece out in 96, and uh, probably the, it was probably the most speedy, CD-ROM ever made because my collaborator was uh, Shenzhen Wang from Taiwan, who's a an absolute genius. He can really um, uh, just kind of say, "Okay, let's have let's have the as you hear this story, let's have it written on the floor uh, in real time, and then the floor drops away um, and becomes uh, this other story, um, which is about." Um, Let's put it in this one in a, in an aquarium, and and you are suddenly in all those places, and it's really hallucinatory, and in a way that I just remember books were for me when I was a tiny kid. They were complete worlds. I would fall into them, and they would be all around me, and it, would, it was like I was, I, so I was reading about an island. I was on the island in a way that um, I no longer am as a reader most of the time. Some of the time I'm, I'm deeply in a book uh, to the extent that I'm actually there and can smell it. And can... But now, um, many years later, um, 20 years later, over 20 years later, um, the VR world is... is uh, Getting more and more convincing, and uh, and and fascinating. So um, we're uh, we're making these, just experimenting with situations. I don't even know what we're going to do. Yeah, no, no. I, I I and I don't. In a sense, as I said earlier, it might be a little bit premature. But I, one, one does get a sense from what you say what what might be happening there. But I think work will be happening there and um it sounds as though it will be work also work in progress you you don't quite quite know what will happen but a, a huge i mean just having seen it this this weekend the the space is tremendous and it looks like a a modern piazza <laughs> yeah it's really beautiful it truly truly is but you know coming back to to books and their immersive quality and how they once upon a time had that immersive quality where you could you could taste and touch and feel and you 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 got some kind of tactile inebriation from it um it seems that as we grow older we 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 keep longing for those primordial 
moments. I think so, and I can still walk into a book and be there. And but、uh, it's in a different way now. And I I really wish I could do it as a child. But I wish I could do a lot of things that I did as a child. To be innocent as I was, and to be hopeful as I was, and to be and to be so sure. That I came from the sky and knew all sorts of things, you know, and that I've forgotten over my lifetime. But some books, for example, still give me that. Carl Ove Nosgard, I walk into his books, and there, it's it's really wonderful because、uh, you're there and in the most mundane details, and you you learn from him. You know what it feels like to push a stroller, and how how his self image is affected by walking down the street, or or having a beer with his friend, or having an argument with his wife, or putting or what he said to his mom on the phone. And then I was invited. When was that? I was just in the middle of one of his books, and I went to a music festival in Norway, in his town. Yes. In his town, and the wild thing. I'm the only woman in the music. <sighs> You know, it's geeking out like men, Norwegian、uh, uh, electronic men, which is great, you know. But what was really wonderful was I knew all of them. I knew what they'd said to their mother on the phone. I knew how they felt when they pushed the stroller along. I knew what the argument was with the wife. I knew where they bought their shoes. You know, I suddenly had this insight into people that I normally would not, and I wasn't. That far off. I mean, I'm not trying to like, you know, make people into like coherent groups because we're all no. They because people don't make sense.、Uh, people do, on some level, make a certain kind of sense. If you come from the same town and shop at the same shoe store, you know, you're going to have a lot in common with other guys. And they did have a lot of in common with him. And it was like, it was completely fascinating to me. And I thought, thank God for books I can get out of myself. And just be in somebody else's skin for a minute, and then maybe I'll have a little more insight into people who、uh, are from that guy's town. <laughs> you know? Well, you know,、um, just just out today,、uh, the、uh, a few weeks ago, I I spoke with Karl Ove Knausgard on a phone call from Paul. So you can you can listen to him just this very day.、Uh, It just just went up today, so you, you'll you'll I'll I'll send it to you, and you'll you'll see how he both sounds and he took my call from his car,、right. and、um, it's it's wonderful. So he's driving along, and at one moment somebody talks to him, and so our conversation gets interrupted by him speaking to someone in Swedish. Um, it's it's a wonder wonderful wonderful moment, and it's a wonderful way of also putting oneself in in some other place. A phone in that particular case transported me to the world he he was、um, he was inhabiting then, and he wrote to me later saying, "I wish you had seen the sunset I was looking at as we were speaking."、Mm-hmm. It was really quite quite moving. But I'm wondering, you mentioned Karl of Knausgard. I'm wondering. What other books at this moment, perhaps, really at this moment, and not the memory of them, because we all have those memories of childhood of of reading and being being lost, as it were.、Um, what 
books today still at times? Oh, Ferrante. Can... You know, I've been lost in Naples. It's wonderful. And I'm going to have a painting show in Naples in a couple of weeks, so I get to go there and and now wander around her Naples, or actually that's a lost Naples because that was like many years ago. But but still, I I feel lost in that city in her books, of course. And um, I think it's when somebody invokes a place so strongly. Those both of those people are place writers for me, you know. And of course, their their characters are just amazing. But I I feel so. I feel Norway and Italy really strongly when I'm when I read these, and and I've spent a, a fair amount of time in both of those countries, and and so I and I feel uh, that it's a weird key that I would never have otherwise than to to um, walk around in, in in someone's book like that. So um, that's a uh, that's a big deal for me, and and also I'm doing a uh, um, next month a. Uh, a uh, director of festival in Brighton, and and I, I'm um, the guest director in this thing, and it, and it really is guest because I didn't really choose anything, and people keep saying like, well, how did you choose all the things in your festival? I said, well, uh, I I didn't choose anything. <laughs> maybe I was like, I think maybe somebody quit, and I came in, you know, as a substitute or something. I probably shouldn't say that, but. <sighs> <laughs> well, well, well. Anyway, they, 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 they could do worse. They, um, they had chosen things, and I and I thought they were great, wonderful things. And their theme was was kind of place, and so I thought, you know, that's pretty broad. But but I I like it, and so I, I decided to write something that was about place because I I I really um, I have kind of started every every show I've ever done with something about where I am at the moment. You know, it's really important for me to situate something, not start from who knows where, but it's, these shows start out with, I live by the Hudson River. You know, I'm looking back at them, they're eerie. It's like they're always kind of going, okay, where, where are you right now? And uh, so I'm going to be doing a, I decided to do a stand-up comedy thing in Brighton, which is, now I'm really regretting it because I, I only have like two jokes. And uh, so, Let's... and it's in two weeks from now. So I'm trying to write all of these things about places, but uh, the the joke format is is failing me right now. So but I, but but what, do 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 you feel you you you? I mean, the stand up. Do you feel that it is necessary for you to have jokes? Not really. Of no, you know, you know uh, perhaps 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 not. 